0: There you go. All right. We're going to have uh, an opportunity to think about uh, and talk about Ross, but also talk about what the Lord has done in his life and what is unfolding in the future and all those kind of things. So we we have a few minutes. Following this, though, you're invited to come out to Grace Bible Church. So if you want to go out there and you don't know where it is, you get back on the road you came in on right here go west until you get to the first light in Pryor, take a left, and when you go over the bridge at Pryor Creek, the church is going to be on the corner. So that road, first light, take a left, you can get there. Let's, uh, let's begin with prayer, and then we'll, we'll start taking a look at this. Father, thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Ross Huddleston's life. It's a joy uh, they get together, tell stories, everyone has a different angle and and knows him from different things, and, and we appreciate all of those aspects, and that he played a part in so many lives and has been uh, a smiling figure for 88 years. Thank you for this time to be able to celebrate and uh, remember, and uh, Lord, I pray that your peace would settle upon us all. As we go through this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. ...background leading into uh, a theme that I think represents his life. So uh, the obituary, and you have a copy of this. But on that little piece of paper you have, you may not be able to read it. <laughs> Let me read it to you. There are men who bring a special light to everyone around them simply by being present. Ross Huddleston was one. Born in Tulsa in 1933 to Victor and Pauline, he was raised in hard times. No electricity, water from a well, squirrel for dinner outside Locust Grove. Outwitting the Depression-era struggles kept the family in such Desperate uncertainty that Ross missed school until he was eight years old. Any free time he had was spent with his younger sister Wanda. That one? Uh, that one right there. <laughs> Singing and telling stories in an abandoned car out back of the house. When he finally started at Baloo uh, Indian School, the teacher said he would have to do enough work to catch up three grades in one year or be left behind. Little Ross did not like the idea of being left behind or disappointing others. So he attracted the help of other kids, inspired the teacher, and completed the work he needed to catch up, forming a habit that would shine through everything he would do for his life, finding the joy in work, loving the joy in others. Ross graduated from Locust Grove High School, and before the next day's light had set, he was in the dream city of Wichita, Kansas. He worked two jobs instead of three because he had to sleep periodically, but still managed to swim in a nearby lake where he met a pretty woman named Leona and married her. Over 50 years later, he would hold her hand as she walked her own last days. But back in Wichita, he was inducted into the army, sent to Washington to serve, had a baby boy named Randy, <laughs> then returned to Tulsa, young and ready for the world. They had two more children, Roger and Pam, One, two. Ross mastered roofing and construction like he did the nearly impossible challenge. Did you see that? A bundle of shingles over there. (laughs) Mastered roofing and construction like he did the nearly impossible challenge at the Indian school as a boy and started his own roofing company. This introduced him to the insurance industry and storm claims. Storms, roofing claims, these would be the compass directions of his working life. After raising their children in Tulsa and near Shoto, Ross and Leona lived in cities and in the country from Tulsa to Keller, Texas, from Wichita to Cypress, California. They started companies and played their beloved grandchildren with equal energy, but the passionate love was for their grandchildren. Yeah, that's the grandchildren thing. They they were nuts when that happened. Matthew, yeah, that wasn't the same life we ever experienced. Wow, Matthew, Crystal, Benjamin, man, it, Pam's kids, man, that's that was that Pam and Paul, and then Rachel, Caitlin, Daniel, our our group, and yeah, it was yeah, we'd come in with the kids, and we didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, Cass and I just okay, we'll just stand over in the corner. Ross and Leona, who pretty much believed their legal names had been changed to Papa and Mama, had found their true calling, laughing, and loving with their amazing grandkids. After Leona's passing, Ross moved to Paradise View near Shota, where he, as usual, remodeled the lake house. Next door were a couple from his church, which was pastored by his son, Randy. These two, Steve and Cherry, became two of his deepest friendships in life, and Ross was a man who cherished, cherished his friendships. He did projects for his neighbors and church family, worked until his early 80s around the country on storm claims, contributed and participated in his adored church community, and generally, and this is no exaggeration, lived the happiest days of his life until the very end of his wonder-filled journey. Ross died on St. Paddy's Day, March 17, 2022, cared for tenderly by friends and family, preceded in death by his mom and dad, Two brothers, Jack and Lee, and survived by his sister Wanda, brother Gary. His wife, Leona, and daughter Pamela also preceded Ross. Roger and Randy still with us. For those who knew Ross, life is, in the truest sense, more beautiful. And that kind of gives you a clue as to who he is. But here's a little bit more. He wrote, he would write things periodically. And some of the things, he had I, had a, a an LE file, end of life events. So this, in this file, I put the stuff that he gave me and some of it would be envelopes and it said for Randy, stuck it in there. And of course, on the 17th, I could open all this stuff. And so one of them was the a thing I, I read at church on Sunday. This one, he had, he had laying around. And this is about old age. So some of you won't care, but others, just <laughs> maybe you may need to write this down. Happiness is something you decide ahead of time—a decision we should make when, when we wake, when we can, and we can be complaining or be thankful each day. It's a gift. We can focus on the happy memories stored away for such a time as this. Old age is like a bank account—you withdraw from what you put in. We should deposit a lot of happiness into the bank of memories. Five simple rules to be happy. One, free your heart from hatred. Two, free your mind from worry. Three, live simply. Four, give more. Five, expect less. So there you go. Old age. Get ready. He lived it. He lived that. And he... This this life that he lived, and many of you have commented as, as we've talked over time about his smile, that he smiled in, in all kinds of situations. That's one of the things that did carry on in his life. When he would go through really hard times, the other side of that would be uh, that he's going to let it hold him down or hold him back or not for long. So his comment after mom died was, I'm going to have bad moments, but I'm not going to have a bad day. It's just not going to go farther than that. I'm just not going to allow that to happen. And if you were around him, you know that's true. He didn't. And he, so he never got entangled in all those things that uh, that really robbed people of their joy in life. And he grabbed hold of joy with uh, all, all he could. And he held on to it. And one of the things that that is inspiring, I think, from his life is his this idea of there's there's love that ought to be in relationships, love that ought to be in the world, love that ought to be expressed more widely. And the typical approach to this, when we you know the little uh, posters or the little magnets you put on the refrigerator, re, the refrigerator those those will say love, but the definition of that kind of love is the limited human. It's, it's whatever we've experienced or whatever we think it is. And really, you know, if people really love me, it would be like this. That means I just defined what love is. And they ought to know that telepathically and then follow those rules. And if they fail, then I have a right to be angry and disappointed and life sucks. So what is, what is all of that? How, how does love really work? And how does, that, how does that play itself out? And his approach to this was, you know, love should be there. And we ought to express it, and it's, and it should. We just step out of ourselves, get over ourselves, and reach out and, and try to invest in another person's life to bring joy to another another person, who, who just may be in need, just maybe they just need a cup of coffee and somebody to talk to, or somebody that will come alongside and help them with a project. He just saw that that love needed to be expressed in so many ways. He didn't start that way. Roger graciously skipped, He wrote the obituary, but he graciously <laughs> skipped this part. So I should say it, and I will step away, <laughs> lest this go badly. So he he and mom meet, they're in love, and they you know they they get married, and he gets drafted like the next month. So he's mm-hmm. off to Washington. He is well, he, basic first. So he's in California. Uh, Mom's wisdom family is in California, so she goes there to stay with her sister, and she's pregnant, and so I'm born there. And dad goes through basic and infantry training and all that. But guess who didn't come to visit? There's this new baby. you got a wife. He goes up to Tacoma, Fort Lewis. He's up there drinking beer with his buddies. (laughs) I just found a box of pictures I've never seen, and it's him in a photo booth drinking beer with his buddies. I thought, mom said that was true, and here son of a gun. <laughs> Who would take that picture? I'm just, seriously. <laughs> Proof. Anyway, so so he he he's focused on himself. He's thinking, well, you know, I'm married and I got a baby, but you know, you can't just go out drinking if you got a baby and you, it's just you know so much responsibility. So mom decides he needs to see the baby. So we're going to move to Tacoma. So she found somebody to drive her up there, and here here we are. We show up. He had to find an apartment real fast. Get get scramble around. You know, not getting paid much money because just starting out. It was war to start with. So he he by his birthday, which is May, hasn't learned his lesson. He, she's cooked <laughs> she's cooked him meals. This happens if you've heard if you've heard these stories. This is the the con context of this. She's fixing meals and he'd say, well, that doesn't taste like mom made it. Bam! And the gravy goes across. The, anyway, so he learned don't don't say that. I don't remember him ever saying anything like that. So it, that he learned that. But still, he's months into this thing. It's his birthday because we get there before Christmas. So it's right before Christmas and then all the way to May. So you'd think he'd Get the hang of this. He, she puts on a birthday. She invites people in his unit, including his company commander, which no private is going to do. And he came to their little apartment. There's a group of people gathered at his apartment from his unit, including his company commander. Guess who doesn't come? Because he's out drinking at a bar with his buddies. Guess who got to see his company commander the next day after he saw mom? I don't remember him missing another party. Whew. Yeah, That was intense. Anyway, he, he moved from being this, well, he, was wor- he was always good to work and, uh, you know, to make in two years to make it to sergeant. Uh, E5 sergeant in in the army is pretty remarkable deal. He did it, so he's working hard. But this whole family, how do you how do you treat people kind of thing wasn't there. But as they worked together, they developed. They they were always hospitable. They always invited everybody. Well, like she, the company commander or whoever else was there. Red Willis, he just passed away last year, and became a lifelong buddy. Because he'd invite them over for Christmas, and, and they didn't have any money. Wanda sent them five bucks, which was big money in 53, 54, where, whatever, whichever one that was. They were able to buy a ham, got some coffee, got, did the meal. And mom used that money to buy all of this stuff, and a present for me, which I don't remember. But all that stuff, because they were going to share it. They were going to share it, and they did that all their lives. So, his investment in other people was huge. One of the things that's happened since he passed is this the Lord gives me visions periodically, and sometimes I get to see the people who out here that have gone into heaven. So, one, so I I get to see dad after he passed. I'm, wow, he's just smiling ear to ear. He's just so excited. The weird, I mean, not that that's not weird, but (laughs) the weird part for me was there's an Oriole. This beautiful, brightly colored Oriole. And I'm trying to figure out, what is that? Which I'm asking the Lord, like, what is that? Why, why? I've never had a dream anywhere, vision anytime that had an Oriole. So, I have to look it up. And it symbolizes a person who has great joy, who works hard to overcome obstacles with persistence, and positivity, and they seek to support the joy or help others enjoy the joy of life. I went, "Wow, I had no idea that bird represented that." So now I kind of like him. <laughs> didn't know I didn't like him, but I <laughs> never thought of it. Anyway, he's that's him. And his and his thinking philosophically, he's he's thinking. So, shouldn't love actually be more of a thing shouldn't that be shouldn't that be something that we can all experience shouldn't that be something that we share that we are looking for ways to build the joy for other people and to support them to build them up instead of what can I get out of it if you didn't say it my way or love me the way I think you ought to love me then you know just Forget you. I'll just move on and go do. It's got to. It's it's about me. Life is about me. And and he's saying nope. And I think the Lord Jesus would agree with him. So there's something more about life. And you know, love should be easy, don't you think? Let's hear. wrote and sang and played this song
1: Love should come easy, Love should come easy Remember those gone by Love should come easy Hearing a new baby's cry Lend a hand so the helpless can cross the street Give time and money so someone can eat and we can read. Love should come easy. Love should come easy.
0: That was a song that he wrote. And upon reflection, this wasn't written in his early days. This is as he learned those things and practice them so you've been around him you know that those things are true for him and he really wanted to build that into others and he found the the longer that he went along in this life that connecting with his God allowed him to do that better and to understand what love was better he learned that the Holy Spirit could guide him into other people's lives wherever they might need it so weekly he would ask people at the church to pray for him so that the holy spirit would reveal to him someone who had a need that he could help and so weekly he would find someone and he would didn't announce it we didn't have a deacon's board deacon board it just he just helped he decided after he went to the hospital for the Tick fever and and had to recover from from that. That his uh, his body and his mind were were not in sync, and he wanted to redevelop that. So he retires from the adjusting at 82, and then he is still helping out everywhere. And he decides, you know, I need I need something to work. I just need to work. Okay. He said, "Well, we're working on this thing for the church. We have to work seal some of the the roof." And he says, "I'll do it." So he climbed up there, cleaned it, and we helped him some, but very little. Basically, he did it himself and put put the seal on it. We still don't have leaks, so he did a you know did a great job. Our barn got blown away by a tornado, and he said. I need a job. I got to keep working so my mind and my body come, you know, keep keep going. So he comes to the house and I, I got him on the tractor and he's moving dirt so he can build a new level area to put a new barn on. And he just is hard at it. Just, I just ready to work. I just want to come help wherever I can help. So I think that's uh, kind of an inspirational thing. And that the Holy Spirit can reveal that is true. And we can all ask him, you know, where can we jump in, and where can we help, and wh- or we can just be angry and mad at the world and everybody around us. That you know, it's a choice, but it's a whole lot better to go with the joy, and be closer to the Lord. So in this moment, we're re- reminded because He's here that life is short, even if it's eighty-eight years long. It's short, and that. In that passing, things are moving in an entirely different direction. And uh being ready for that makes huge difference. He was ready. He called me January twenty fourth at seven in the morning and said, You need to bless me so I can go to Jesus. So, okay, Dad. So took care of that. And then I go down to see him and he says, Seriously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just now, pray. Bless me. I need to go see Jesus. All right. So we pray, and you know, Dad, Jesus, Jesus, Dad. Uh, he's he wants to go, and 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 then he just burst out. You know, if you've been around him recently, you've heard this. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to go. So he was he was prepared. He knew the time had come. He was he was gearing up for that. Because on the other side of all of this is this remarkable life that we are being prepared for. The physical body is holding the real body and the real mind and the real emotions and all those things that we are. That's who we really are. And so all those things that he couldn't remember and couldn't connect to in the more recent times are still there. There's no memory no experience in his life that's lost, and he can access everything because the mind holds it all. The brain is just how we interface with the physical world. So that part broke, which he kept saying, My brain broke. It broke. So the other part is the mind that continues, and that part of it is in the, in the spiritual body is all fully functional toes, fingers, everything. And he is enjoying the fullness of life. And he is enjoying being able to meet his God, to meet Jesus face to face, to be able to connect with the people that he loved and the people he didn't know. Because there's some people buried out here he didn't know. He didn't. They're the next generation up that he didn't meet. But they were pulling for him. There's a great cloud of witnesses in the heavens who are, Praying for, talking to Jesus, and you know, I want my family, and you know, let's bring them in. Jesus, of course, cares more than any of us, anyway, and bring them all in. And so he's met with the great cloud of witnesses, and there is a party going on. This isn't a bad one, but his is better. Just saying. And the Lord said, "I've got, you know, I'm going. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, a home for you, and." And I'm telling you that because I'm coming back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you to be where I am. So in those last days, you know, I just talked to dad about those, the home. And I don't know that he needs the shingles, but. (laughs) Hey, he's just a lot of years on those. So there's a. A home ready, there's a, there's a family ready, the greater family of God, which includes, by the way, not just the earthly people, but the heavenly beings, seraphim, cherubim, heavenly beings that are all makes and varieties, and they are waiting, they've been excited, they've been helping him along. If you've ever ridden with him driving, you know we've lost a few in that. But their heavenly beings are waiting as well. So there's this great thing. And everyone who comes to the Lord Jesus, believes, receives him, man, he gives them eternal life. So as many as believe, receive him, then he, they can enter into this family, the family of God, which would be my dad's greatest wish for everyone. And he also served in the military. So we have some folks here. We're going to uh, celebrate that with us. I'm going to turn this over to them. beneath him and that's where this body will remain until that day with the uh, sound of the angel's voice the trumpet of God and Jesus arrives and calls him from this grave and all these who knew him here in this place to be with him resurrected they're living fine they're enjoying paradise but there's more There's more to come. So much more in this life to live in the kingdom of God. So much more in heaven to come. And then there's resurrection and more eternity after that. So that day is yet to come. And uh, he's looking forward to that as well. He's too busy to watch us right now, so you just remember him. And he's having a good time. We are are going to uh, do that as well. So if you can join us over at the church, that would be great. And let me pray for us all. How about that? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to know and to share life with Ross Huddleston. Thank you for the opportunity to to learn to be mentored by, to be helped, to be loved by Him. Thank you for loving Him. And we commit him to you. In the safe arms of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.